The reading today is Psalm 104, verses 1 through 23. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty, wrapped in the light as in a garment. You stretch out the heavens like a tent. You set the beams of your chambers on the waters. You make the clouds your chariot. You ride on the wings of the wind. You make the winds your messengers, fire and flame your ministers. You set the earth on its foundation so that it shall never be shaken. You cover it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they flee. At the sound of your thunder, they take to flight. They rose up to the mountains, ran down the valleys to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass so that they might not again cover the earth. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills, giving drink to every wild animal. The wild asses quench their thirst. By the streams, the birds of the air have their habitation. They sing among the branches. From your lofty abode, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, to bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the human heart. Oil to make the face shine and bread to strengthen the human heart. The trees of the field are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. In them the birds build their nests, the stork has its home in the fir trees, the high mountains are for the wild goats, the rocks are a refuge for the conies. You have made the moon to mark the seasons, the sun knows its time for setting. You make the darkness and it is night. When all the animals of the forest come creeping out. The young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they withdraw and lie down in their dens. People go out to their work and to their labor until the evening. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy God, your scriptures are our guidance book. May we hear, may we love, and may we respond. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
On Christmas Eve, 1968, astronaut Bill Anders snapped a photo of the Earth as Apollo 8 orbited the moon. Those three guys were surprised to see from their eyes a planet looked like an Earth rise, a blue orb hovering over the moon's gray horizon with deep oceans and silver skies. It was our world's first glance at itself, our first chance to see a shared reality, a declared stance, and a commonality, a glimpse into our planet's mirror. And as threats drew nearer, our own urgency became clearer as we realized that we hold nothing dearer than this floating body we all call home. We've known that we're caught in the throes of climactic changes some say will just go away while some simply pray to survive another day. For it is the obscure, the oppressed, the poor who when the disaster is declared done still suffer more than anyone. Climate change is the single greatest challenge of our time. Of this you're certainly aware, it's saddening, but I cannot spare you from knowing an inconvenient fact because it's getting the facts straight that gets us to act and not to wait. So I tell you this not to scare you, but to prepare you, to dare you to dream a different reality where despite disparities, we all care to protect this world, this riddled blue marvel, this little true marvel to master the verve and the nerve to see how we can serve our planet. You don't need to be a politician to make it your mission to conserve, to protect, to preserve that one and only home that is ours to use your unique power to give next generations the planet they deserve. We are demonstrating, creating, advocating. We heed this inconvenient truth because we need to be anything but lenient with the future of our youth. And while this is a training and sustaining the future of our planet, there is no rehearsal. The time is now, 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 because the reversal of harm and protection of a future so universal should be anything but controversial. So, Earth, pale blue dots we will fail you not just as we chose to go to the moon we know it's never too soon to choose hope we choose to do more than cope with climate change we choose to end it we refuse to lose we do this and more not because it's very easy or nice but because it is necessary because with every dawn we carry the weights of the fates of this celestial body orbiting a star and as heavy as the weight sounded it doesn't hold us down but it keeps us grounded steady ready because an environmental movement of this size is simply another form of an earth rise to see it close your eyes visualize that all of us in this room and outside of these walls or in these halls, all of us change makers are in a spacecraft floating like a silver raft in space and we see the face of a planet anew. We relish the view, we witness its round green and brilliant blue which inspires us to ask deeply, wholly, what can we do? Open your eyes, know the future of this wise planet is right in sight, right in all of us. Trust this earth uprising, all of us bring light to exciting solutions never tried before, for it is our hope that implores us at our uncompromising core to keep rising up for an earth more than worth fighting for.
Amanda Gorman, Earthrise. I recommend you Google her words and her poem so that you can go back and look at them again. I would like to highlight a couple of things that she said. It is our world's first glance at ourselves, that Apollo mission photo. Our first chance to see a shared reality, a declared stance and a commonality. And as threats drew nearer, our own urgency became clearer. Climate change is the single greatest challenge of our time. So I tell you this not to scare you, but to prepare you, to dare you to dream a different reality, to muster the verve and the nerve, to see how we can serve our planet. Now from Psalm 104, it says, you, heavenly being, set the earth on its foundation so that it will never be shaken. Well, that made perfect sense two and a half millennia ago. I don't think they foresaw where we would be right now. The ownership and the recognition in Psalm 104 of the connectivity between God and us and earth is where I would like to go today. Amanda Gorman's poem was not scripture, but it was and is prophetic, even as she was offering this poem in 2018. Because it's prophetic, because it ignites us back to being caring people, caring stewards, caring for not only each other, but the land we walk upon, because this is what we are meant to be. Now this message during the season of creation is to remember over and over the intertwined relationship with God and with God's creation. I hope you're not getting tired of that yet. But remembering, putting it front in our mind is what we are doing. It is what we do during Lent and during Easter time and during Advent. We have now added a new season of remembering our relationship, our stewardship with, not over, Earth. Rapidly changing climate vulnerabilities has become this new added season of remembering. Today, we will think about flora, plants, Flowers, verdant growth through the ground and the differing ecosystems around the world. Fauna, animals, indigenous and imported to any geographical location. As an example, when we lived in Fiji, once upon a time, we were told, snakes ran rampant through the islands and were a huge hazard. So the Europeans imported mongoose. Now, when we were there, no snakes whatsoever, but the mongoose ran rapid through the, the islands, which was no problem until they got into the eaves of every single house and hut and walked, sorry, I I, uh, reminiscing is not necessary right now. Flora and fauna are both appreciated not just for beauty, but they both, flora and fauna, provide the complex balance and resources to each and every ecological system. We don't have mongoose 
here in Palo Alto, am I correct? Right, they're not here to kill snakes. Our creation story in Genesis celebrates the balance and resources within creation. All essential light and air, then comes fertile topsoil. We call it ground or dirt. In the liturgies of the church, the fertile topsoil has come to be known as dust, which is so disappointing. Dust to dust, ashes to ashes as part of our, our liturgy. My liturgy says fertile topsoil to fertile topsoil because dust is not generative in our modern understanding of the word topsoil is. With heavenly rain, topsoil can do so much, such verdant growth, which I experienced both in the tropics and in the farming heartlands of America. This brings me to Ground Guy. Have you heard of Ground Guy? Ah, Ground Guy or Mud Guy is a grand name for the first creation of human beings that somehow we've given proper names. Adam was not a proper name. It is a derivative of the Hebrew word meaning ground. Eve was not a proper name. It is a derivative of the word meaning life, life-giving, ground guy and life-giver, humans. We come from the fertile topsoil and we are made to be verdant like fertile topsoil. Ground, dirt, fertile topsoil. I make an immediate connection with what you have here right behind me. In your memorial garden, that beautiful redwood tree that you planted and that memorial garden full of verdant, fertile topsoil that you planted and made space available for a green burial memorial space. I've put some of the brochures for your memorial garden out in front, but I just wanted to remind you that's the point and purpose. We are from the ground, and we return to the ground. Interned by burial or scattering of ashes is part of the ministry this church offers, if that's something that you would like. Human ashes connected with fertile topsoil, they combine together to create growth right here on your church property. As the brochure says, a place of tranquility and peaceful beauty. And what a place to pray. I leave that to you to consider. Let's come back to Psalm 104. It is a grand tour of creation and maintenance of the cosmos as they understood it when the poem was written. The psalmist celebrates the plethora of God's works. It recognizes that diversity is a gift. The product of God is unsurpassable wisdom. The product of God is creation. This essential theological pairing of 
the God of salvation and the God of creation are identified in Psalm 104 and much of scripture. These two, the God of salvation and the God of creation are the same. Celebrating the beauty and complexity of creation, including annoying mongoose, and I don't know how to do the plural of mongoose, and mosquitoes. I have yet to figure out why there are mosquitoes. These remember the covenant of creation. They remind us of the covenant of creation. You are stewards of flora and fauna, of the blue marble earth in Amanda's words, to keep rising up for an earth worth fighting for. Psalm 104 speaks of the seas and the creatures. It, it goes beyond if you want to open it up. And, and look, I'm, I'm now referring to verse 26, and we didn't get that far. There go the ships and Leviathan that you formed in sport. Have you considered God having fun, joy with us, with creation? Now that Leviathan, it cannot be defined, nor can it be confined. It is meant to be that which surpasses our understanding. Chaos in the best word. We cannot control whatever sea creature Leviathan is or was. There's no animosity between God and a creature humans cannot fathom. In fact, there's joy, there's reciprocity. It's uncontrollable to us, but completely at play with God. Better understood as God dancing with Leviathan, whether we understand it or not. So moving on, Isaiah 55. It says, people shall go, shall go out in joy and be led back in peace, the mountains and the hills shall burst into song, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Is this God distancing God's self from creation or embodying creation? Creation is not entertainment. It is our co-created and loved by God. Exodus 17, Moses and that rock. Remember the people who were freed from Egypt, were being led through the desert, were being fed with manna daily, yet they didn't have water and they just threw their arms up and said, oh my gosh, if we just stayed in Egypt, at least we could have had water out here. You want us to die of thirst? And Moses, I can imagine tempering his temper, said, uh, God, any ideas? And God said, I certainly do. Oh, you see that rock right there? I need you to, in my name, touch that rock with your staff. And out comes water, because we all know that if we just touch a rock in the desert, we will get water, correct? No. God and creation. Now, Jesus' great tri triumphal entry into Jerusalem, I'm looking at Luke 19, and the people say, hey, Jesus, tell these guys to stop saying this Hosanna stuff to you. And Jesus replies, if they don't, if they do not praise God, these rocks on the ground will. Hmm. Yes. Trees of the field clap their hands, stones in scripture responding to God's command. Shouldn't we listen to nature, which listens to God? 
the trees of the fields, groves, plains, and mountains pass electrical impulses through their tissues to communicate, which is just one of their many means of communication. Sorry, I have to read this quote because I did not make this up. Trees also use the senses of smell and taste to communicate. I am quoting Ger German forester and author Peter Wollenben, who wrote his, his book was translated the same time Amanda was writing her poem. The book is The Hidden Life of Trees, what they feel, how they communicate. He writes about flora and fauna like an author trying to engage an audience, not only trees, but also, oops, sorry, which allows his message to be heard by a person like me, because if he just wrote in scientific language, I'd be lost in the dust of the fourth word. He writes, in the symbiotic community of the forest, not only trees, but also shrubs and grasses and possibly all plant species exchange information. Usually there are fungi present that act as intermediaries to guarantee quick dissemination of news. The giraffes are coming. The elk want to rub their antlers against your base. You are at threat from fire. These signals transmitted probably, possibly, definitely, it's new to me, by this fungi, go from tree to tree, helping the trees exchange information about harmful insects, drought, and other dangers. Much of the quote is attributed to the work of Dr. Suzanne Simard, University of Columbia, and her discovery of what has been commonly called wood wide, wide web, wood wide web. Our ancient spiritual ancestors understood the co-relationship, the co-reliance between nature and humans much better than we do. Trees, are protecting our planet, and they know it. Our pictures today are a gift, and I appreciate Don Fiddler allowing me to use his photography in our slides as our background. I will refer to none specifically, but these are, I'm not sure I'm gonna say this correctly, but I'm going to give it a try. The Tour de Pain in the Patagonia region in Chile. This week, I expect you all read the article about the Patagonia Clothing Company, no relationship to the mountains, whose owner is transferring ownership of the company to a collective environmental nonprofit to help fight the climate crisis. Patagonia owner says, Earth is now our shareholder. Commitment? What does it look like? There's just an example. I'll close with Bill McKibben, who in his email this week answers the question that was thrown at him. What planet does he, meaning Bill, live on? 
Bill answers, I live on a planet that looks somewhat, somewhat like the one but is irrevocably changed. The old one that is somewhat like the old one but is irrevocably changed. The first pictures we ever took of it in 1968, the ones that came back from the Apollo missions are now hopelessly out of date. There's a lot less white and a lot more blue up top because most of the sea ice in the summer Arctic is gone. pH balances in the ocean, other balances, and he comes back and he says, we live on a planet that still has such heart-searing beauty. It's a world where creeks still tumble down mountainsides, where trees still spread their branches to make shade in the heat where hummingbirds and anteaters remind us of the whimsy of evolution, where people love and protect each other, family and strangers both. It is a good world still and worth the defending. Amanda, Bill, and scripture. Let all of God's people say, amen. <laughs>